Listener Production. Poetry has the power to move us in ways that nothing else can. It can transport us to other worlds, give voice to our deepest emotions and help us make sense of the mysteries of life. For me, poetry is not just a form of expression, it's a way of being in the world, a way of seeing the beauty and the pain, the light and the dark, and finding meaning in it all. I'm Sarah Grimberg and this is Unlock the Greatness Within. In this 15-minute episode, I want to share with you my love for poetry by reading a single poem with its author, where we explore the meaning and universal truths that are expressed through this exquisite language. Today on the podcast, we have poet Yeshua November, who integrates his Orthodox Judaism background with the struggle and beauty found in the everyday. This poem is called Conjoined Twins. My father was a resident in the hospital when my young mother gave birth to them. Two bodies in one heart. And hearing that the pathologist at that teaching institution were coming to learn the lessons science's rare cases to teach, my father turned the combination on his locker and concealed stillborn baby boys in a box. Early the next morning, another Jewish resident stood over the bodies with my father, performed the ritual circumcisions in the silence of an unoccupied delivery room. Choose names you would not otherwise use, the rabbi had instructed over the phone At the burial, my father asked why this had happened. Perhaps you are not as religious as you should be, the rabbi answered. And the answer plunged God into concealment for my father. I looked quickly and saw them embracing. My mother later said of the two boys who were to be born between Purim and Passover, One was named Mordechai, who gathered all the Jews when they thought they had been forsaken. And one was named Passover, the holiday when all Jews, even idol worshippers, were freed as long as they desired to go. And they left their bondage and arrived at the mountain, where the Midrash states they camped in the desert like one man with one heart. That's such a beautiful poem, Yeshua, and it's filled with so much beauty and so much heartache, and I'd like to just go through it. Let's start with in hearing that the pathologists at the teaching institution were coming to learn the lessons science's rare cases could teach. My father turned the combination on his locker and concealed the stillborn baby boys in a box. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, the poem is really... Um, mostly true, and telling a, a true narrative of what occurred with my parents. My mother gave birth to conjoined twins, and my father was a resident in, in this was in Florida, in Miami, 
he was made aware that this was a very rare kind of scenario um, in joint twins and that doctors wanted to kind of study it and assess it and analyze it and glean whatever lessons they could from from the situation. But my father um, also knew that he was supposed to form these circumcisions, which is part of the Jewish tradition. Even when a child is uh, stillborn, there's supposed to be um, circumcision. So I think it must have been very painful experience, obviously, for my parents. I think it's really interesting as well that there's so much pain and grief for anyone that loses a child and has a stillborn And the last thing you want, I would assume, is to have scientists kind of look at it, knowing that, yes, it's a rare case and it might be able to help others, but at the same time, it's your child. And I know in the Jewish tradition, they're never cremated, the bodies, they're always buried whole. So I think that's such a pertinent part of the poem, to keep them, even though they didn't survive, like keep them sacred. Right. In Judaism, actually, although it's surprising and counterintuitive, at least in Hasidic thought, the idea is really that the body is actually holier than the soul. Really? The soul is just invested in the body so that the body can then move forward in life and um, do kindness for other people. In tradition, it would be to do these various acts that are prescribed within the framework of Jewish tradition. The soul is sublime and the soul is transcendent and the soul is spiritual. But the emphasis really actually is uh, on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and soul is kind of the tutor of the body. The soul is kind of the instructor of the body, and it helps the body um, do the right things, but really the body is central. And that's why the body has to be kept intact. And that's why even a stillborn would be uh, one reason why a stillborn would also receive a circumcision. That's so interesting. And then you talk about the fact that the rabbi then said, choose names you would not otherwise use. This is a unusual situation. Yeah. A person is not really supposed to dwell on these kinds of scenarios and be in pain forever. There is obviously a phase where you you mourn and you're sad for this loss, but I think it's not supposed to be something that you connect to too much. You're supposed to kind of move on as much as you can. Mm. There is something a bit sad about that, though, because it kind of means that they're not as significant as the ones that lived. Mm -hmm. So there is that heartache in that line a lot of the time, too, because just because you're not living on Earth doesn't mean that you're not remembered or you're as important as those bodies that did continue. So I feel there is a bit of sorrow within that line. Yeah, that's true. There is definitely sorrow. And then you talk about... At the burial, your father, probably in so much grief, asked the rabbi, why did this happen? And he said, perhaps you are not as religious as you should be, plunging God's name into the concealment for my father. Yeah, I think although he was a rabbi, his message was actually not really consistent with the Jewish teachings. And the things that he said are not really the things a rabbi should say. In other words, his answer was not really representative of, the, of a biblical voice or a, a rabbinic voice. He didn't give the right answer in that moment. In, in fact, in other teachings, uh, we read that it's not in our hands to, to understand the, the suffering of the righteous or the prosperity of the wicked. We just don't know. These things are mysteries. And it's also said that a person shouldn't try to console the bereaved when the the dead are before them. 
In other words, you have to give the space and this time. But I, I think the central point is that we, we don't understand why people suffer. To think that someone that's really religious suffers less is quite wrong as well. <laughs> you know, so the line that perhaps you're not as religious as you should be, I don't think being religious takes away pain or sorrow no, or grief. No. So we're all on our own paths and it doesn't matter right. who we are. It could be the Dalai Lama or some other big spiritual teacher, we're all going to face suffering in our life. So being more of a certain way, I don't think will shield us from that. Right, right. I I think the way that he was framing it, maybe it's like a punishment. And then we move on to the beautiful part at the end where your father and your mother give their twins the names Mordechai and Pesach. So for me... I was trying to use that as kind of counterbalance to what the what the rabbi was saying. Mm. The, the two episodes I was referring to were the Purim story and the Passover story. In both of those cases, uh, the Jewish people had actually found themselves in a very degraded spiritual state. They completely forgot their heritage. They completely forgot their spiritual underpinnings. And uh, they were lost. They lost their faith. But despite that, they weren't deemed unworthy of redemption and they weren't deemed hopeless. They weren't deemed irredeemable. That idea that there's this kind of unconditional value that they had and that they possessed was a kind of contradiction to or trying to kind of um, counterbalance what the rabbi said, which was that your value kind of comes from how religious you are. And therefore it was inappropriate for the rabbi to say, God is punishing you because you did something wrong. And then the last line, and they left their bondage and arrived at the mountain where the Midrach states, they camped in the desert like one man with one heart, which is, you know, as conjoined twins. Right. Very beautiful. Sometimes when you're writing a poem, you get lucky. I was writing this poem, and then I happened to be reading that passage, a commentary that Midrash talked about that, and it was, you know, fit to put it in the poem. It was fortuitous. But that's the idea that when the Jewish people arrived at Mount Sinai, the the grammar there is very interesting because it uses the singular, uh, he can. But it's really speaking about all of the Jewish people, millions of people, but it uses the singular, he camped at the mountain. So the, the Midrash and the sages say it's singular because they were like one man with one heart. They were so unified in that moment. Mm. It just seemed to fit. Yeshua's poetry can be found in his books, God's Optimism and Two Worlds Exist. This is my poem. It's Conjoined Twins, and my name is Yeshua November. My father was a resident in the hospital when my young mother gave birth to them. Two bodies in one heart. And hearing that the pathologist at that teaching institution were coming to learn the lessons Science's rare cases to teach. My father turned the combination on his locker and concealed the stillborn baby boys in a box. Early the next morning, another Jewish resident stood over the bodies with my father, performed the ritual circumcisions in the silence of an unoccupied delivery room. Choose names you would not otherwise use, the rabbi had instructed 
over the phone. At the burial, my father asked why this had happened. Perhaps you are not as religious as you should be, the rabbi answered. And the answer plunged God into concealment for my father. I looked quickly and saw them embracing. My mother later said of the two boys who were to be born between Purim and Passover. One was named Mordechai, who gathered all the Jews and they thought they had been forsaken. And one was named Passover, a holiday when all Jews, even idol worshippers, were freed as long as they desired to go. And they left their bondage and arrived at the mountain, where the Midrash states, they camped in the desert, like one man with one heart. <laughs>